to Nathan Ramsey. All right, there is Tim Ferry currently in second. And the only area where I see Tim Ferry really picking up a lot of time on Pichon seems to be in that rhythm section through the whoops. Tim really seems to charge in there and get through that section a little bit quicker. And there is Ferry. He has one bike between he and the leader. And I agree with you. He is a fabulously stylish rider. Really interesting to watch, and I'm sure for a lot of uh, motocross kids at home, boy, pay attention to him. That's how That's how it's done right there. 6.14 of Andre Penne getting out of the way. Allows Tim to get through, and now there shouldn't be anybody between first and second place. And here's the rhythm section. Look at how P-Shot's going through. Now watch Perry just blast over the tops of it. That's right, and brake is not a factor here. This is Ryder. Just constantly getting on the throttle, powering through. Yep, and oh, does he cut that corner nicely. That here, he is going after. Well, I guarantee you, Pichon is not tired. He shows no signs of that. It's his motorcycle. There is Tim Ferry, Floridian, in the lead in Florida. Watch him go through that. Look at, the, look at that rhythm section. He just pounds right through it. A Pulp MX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables podcast. Thanks for listening to these. Thanks for the feedback. Tell a friend, subscribe, uh, find the show, search it on, uh, pass it on, I should say. And, uh, yeah, man, people really, really dig these things. So thank you for doing it. It's the off-season coming up, so we're going to start jamming these out a little more quicker than we've been doing. But thank you for uh, listening. Appreciate it. Uh, very special one today as well. Thanks to Liat, man. Different people ride for different reasons, yet there's a common denominator that binds everyone who puts their body on the line for the sheer enjoyment of it. And that is what Liat offers as a brand. They make protective wear, helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, neck braces. They cover riders from head to toe for both moto and mountain bike. Liat.com, they really stand for, is a promise of things to come. They are in the business of making sure that you have the confidence and the equipment to push yourself faster, harder, and further than you ever thought you could do. Go to Liat.com for more information, head to toe. Kiefer developed this new boot they came out with last year, so check that out. And uh, like I said, head to toe, they have you covered. Of course, the uh, MCR Honda team uh, use uh, Liat gear as well. And the best part of the whole thing is if you want to get some Liat protection stuff, and I'm, say I'm serious, their mountain bike stuff's great, uh, they'll, they'll have you covered. And send me an email using the contact form on pulpamex.com. And I will give you a code to save at Liat.com. Thanks to those guys for supporting this show in such a big way. Also, thanks to the folks at Max's, Guts, Pro Taper, and Scott, all on board with us as well. Uh, we'll tell you about them more about them later. But uh, let's welcome in the uh, co-host for the Liat Re-Raceables. The man knows his race in front to back. Jason Wygan, what's up, Weege? Yeah. What's happening? Well... Look, we could say this is the Daytona 1995 episode, but can you really say the real reason this is the episode that we're doing? I've been trying to shoehorn Tim Ferry into one of these for a year now, mm -hmm. and, and we got it. We made it happen. 
Uh, Red we Dogs Daytona win, his second career 125 Supercross win, but a really important race for him because he grew up going to Daytona, right? And uh, so, yeah, we got Tim Ferry on the show, and that, that, that's really it. That's, that's why we're doing this. To, to get Tim Ferry in a Lee at Rerasables. That's why this episode it, is happening. It, it's it's not yeah. a, an iconic race in any sort of sense of the way. It's Daytona, which is always special. But, yeah, 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 just Ferry's win. Yeah, just that's it. That's why we're getting him. Although I will say, you you asked, you know, what race would he prefer uh, to talk about? And either I had not watched this when it happened or I had not watched it in so long I forgot. It is one hell of a ride. I got to give him credit for that. Like It is. There is... About halfway through this main, I'm like, am I watching the wrong year? Because I don't see how he's going to win. He's in like sixth, and he's like half a track behind. I'm like, how does he win this? Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. It's and and he slows down at some point, and you think you know he's out of it because he's got some banners in his bike. The leader, Mikel Pashan, he collects banners in his bike. You watch yep. the two fifties. Yogi gets banners in his bike. Uh, uh, Albie has banners in his bike. Daytona, everybody. Catch the fever. Yeah. So a lot of banners caught in wheels in Daytona 95. So Yeah, the banners were a problem, but uh, the, the TV announcers, and we'll talk more about them later, said, hey, it's better to have a motocross track lined in banners than concrete barriers. So I'll give them that. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Yeah, the uh, the announcers, Weech. Go ahead. Oh, it's great. Um, so it's funny. You actually put out a picture. You were doing research. You had the screenshot of Timmy on yeah. the line. Yeah. And uh, our old buddy, producer Pete, who we worked with for years, Pete Richards from Fox Sports, he uh, hit me back on that Instagram story and said, oh, my God, the old TNN graphics. And I'm like, TNN, that's so weird. Uh, Yeah, so what I would imagine is all the races, for the most part, were on ESPN back in 1995. Mm -hmm. But TNN must have had some, like, Bike Week or Daytona exclusive. So the typical announcers of the day, which would have been Art Ekman and David Bailey, as most people know, do not announce this race. Instead, it's Steve Evans who just did a ton of different car racing and all kinds of racing through the years. And lo and behold, who is again on the scene, continuing to pop up throughout <laughs> history, the ageless, like he's a wax museum at this point, Steve, because when we see him in these old shows, he looks <laughs> he exactly does. the he same does. today. Yeah. None other than Ralph Shaheen patrolling the pits. And I guess he's color commentator. They kind of just trade back and forth. Yeah, they don't. They both sort of offer their anal- analyst, uh, uh, their analysis, I should say. They both kind of offer it. Yes. But I think Ralph is probably the the bigger expert. Steve Evans was a, a buddy of Ralph's forever, and uh, uh, he passed away, I think, uh, at a race or while they were doing a race that uh, overnight oh, wow. or something. Yeah. Yep. Steve Evans was forever uh, uh, Ralph's buddy for car racing and, and road racing and everything else. Yeah, American Sports Cavalcade, uh, yeah. TNN. Uh, the Nashville Network had this forever, and uh, yeah, funny, funny to do. So, uh, you said producer Pete hit you up. So I'm guessing it's the same. Yeah, he's like, hey, those are TNN graphics, which I had not realized. And you watch the race, and you're like, oh yeah, this is not ESPN. It's the one race that year it was not on ESPN. But I'm thinking like our series today, behind the scenes, we're all the same people, probably. You think? Uh, or no, I want, you know what? Yeah. I, I actually. Just because of the uniqueness of Daytona, yeah. uh, I'm not sure about that. There, okay. there are years, believe it or not, when it was even airing on the same network that it was totally different people behind the scenes. Yeah. Daytona okay. seems to have a lot of, well, you know, it's just completely different than every other race. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, I know. I definitely you know. know. You know. <laughs> you know. I do. Speaking <laughs> of you know, Scott Sports has been providing the best in goggle technology to all motorsport disciplines for over 50 years. Scott's a global leader in innovation, technology, and design. They've always been proud to support racing from grassroots all the way to the top step. Jason Anderson, Scott Goggle athlete, Pro Circuit, Scott Goggles, Chad Weenan, Walker Fowler, Caleb Russell. They all choose the quality product and support from Scott. Scott is excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with the Re-Raceables podcast, many of which have included Scott Goggles. Scott, the only goggle made in the USA. Thanks to our buddy Knowles for uh, coming on. Yeah. Prospect's a great goggle. Uh, Tim Ferry's wearing Scott at this race when he wins. And I have so many jokes about Steve and Ralph announcing. I may have to take it a bit easy. Uh, they, yeah, it's, it's great. They, um, but I have to say, uh, we will make some jokes cause those are the highlights that the funny stuff, they're pretty loose at times. It's oh, pretty funny. Yeah, they are. No, they, they are yeah. loose. Yeah. They're pretty loose. And Steve Evans, not afraid in 1995 to be a little on PC at times with some of the jokes. <laughs> um, but, but I want to get this point out before we make any jokes, Ralph as the color commentator. And by the way, it's not like he's full-time supercross motocross guy at this point. He really did his homework. Like he has quite a bit of. Uh, information uh, on the riders and like he's like you know Kevin Windham was a Kawasaki team green rider but now that he's pro he's on Yamaha like he didn't have to know that stuff so I do want to give Ralph credit he clearly did quite a bit of uh, you know research coming well, into this one race he announced that year you have a point it's good it's entertaining it is like two guys sharing a beer calling a race uh, more oh, so yeah. but, it's loose. but I believe <laughs> I do have one bone to pick uh, Mikel Pichon uh, uh, they do miss that one the, pretty bad. He, they miss, that's a big miss. He's leading the 125 race because back in the day, you had to have a mailing address for East or West Coast uh, depending to match the coast you rode. It was a joke rule, uh, but that's what they did. I don't believe, uh, and I, I only watched it once. I didn't go back and watch it again, but I don't believe Ralph or Steve ever talk about Mikel Pichon being, you know, from Europe, from France, uh, uh, you know, he can't, I believe uh, the, in 94, Pichon won a race as a privateer on the Honda, right? And that's what got him the PC ride, yeah, uh, a supercross race. but yes. Yeah, 93. He's, he's already a known commodity. Yeah, and they just say he's Mikel Pichon from Louisiana, and they never... Michael. <laughs> well, at the end, when he gets interviewed, the, Steve drops Michael, doesn't even call him Mikhail, just says Michael. And at some point... They never – you would think they'd say, well, he's actually from France and, you know, he's racing here and he's a great rider and blah, blah. But they just go with the Louisiana and they never make a mention of it again. So. Yes. And yes. What? I'm pretty sure – I didn't catch any French references. No. Uh, so I believe the only rider they considered to have any French involved was uh, uh, JSR, Jean-Sebastien Wah. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they mentioned it. it's not Roy, it's Wah because it's French-Canadian. But uh, they do they do seem to think that Michael Pachon is truly from Louisiana. Yeah. To which – I'm like, oh, wow. So it must have been like a race in winner's time. We finally got Wyndham and Bichon. Yeah, right. You know, old well, rivals from back uh, in Louisiana. Yeah, up. They, they grew up in Louisiana together. They probably swapped swap paint uh, yeah, a, a long time. time. But um, uh, I, I do think, speaking of Wyndham, though, I bet you that address is Wyndham's house. That would just be a patent thing. Hey, Wyndham, K-Dub, we're going to send all his mail to you and give him the, your address in Louisiana. Oh, and, God, you and, think so? Oh, 100%. And Wyndham's just like, yeah, or, or here's my buddy's address or whatever. Like, I guarantee you that Louisiana address was somehow uh, uh, connected to Kevin Wyndham that Peyton did, you know. So, I don't know. You know, there's a hidden story there. The years that they had to fake the addresses because um, 
Jimmy Button was from like Corning, New York or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Mitch would probably know. We should ask him, where in the hell did you come up with these random states and addresses for all the riders that were in, living in California? Yeah. What were these addresses? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I talked to Mitch, by the way. He's coming on one of these. We just got to pick a race. I told him about it. He's like, yep, oh. sounds good. So off season. It's going to be hard to narrow it down. Off season, Mitch Payton. I know, right? Which one do you pick for him? But uh, this yeah. one here, this Liette Reraceables. I mean, Tim Ferry's coming on. That's all we need to know. Uh, yeah. 250 yeah. class. So. Third year of Jeremy McGrath being a champion, and we did one of these Lee at Reraceables. Go back and search the archives uh, with Jeremy from this year for his first 250 national win, uh, Gainesville. Well, Nine- that's right around this time. Right, right. It's the week before or after this race. Yeah. So he was supercross only, couldn't win outdoors, then he won outdoors. Then he can't win Daytona. That's the man's race. He can never win Daytona. Stanton, Krajowski, Hannah, all these dudes that win Daytona. Uh, and he doesn't win this year either, but he comes from pretty much dead last to fifth. And uh, he's the defending champion, obviously. But, yeah, it, it, he would have to wait, Weege, another year to knock off the he-can't-do-this uh, tag. Yeah, this is definitely don't let the facts get in the way of a good story because as we profiled here, by 95, McGrath knew how to ride outdoors, and that means he probably would have been fine at Daytona also. Um, But tell everybody what happens to him to immediately prevent him from having any shot. Yeah, yeah. First turn, Dowd's got the lead, and Dowd goes off the first tabletop and does a complete endo. Over, it's a step up, and he hits the the uh, the, the takeoff, or handles off the takeoff, clips the top of the uh, the top of the tabletop, and goes over the bars and cleans Jeremy and about thirteen other dudes out. Which, by the way, uh, the exact same thing happens in a one twenty five race. Uh, Mike Brown has a whole shot, hits the same spot that John Dowd does, goes over the bars just like John Dowd does, and takes out a bunch of guys just like John Dowd did. So we have a track construction issue in the first turn at this Daytona race as you can see from the two main events. Um, hashtag Gary Bailey building the track. Hashtag never change. Uh, oh, but, oh. yeah, uh, listen, Bailey's tracks, I was at these races. I was at Daytona 96, 97, 98, not, not at this one. They, they were horrible. They, they were square-edged. He would just build straight up and downs, no transitions. Uh, they would get so bombed out. Um, anyways, uh, so Dowd takes out Jeremy, and he's dead last. Uh, but, yes, he probably would have won. Well, you know, history is written by the winners, and we just did two of these Lee Erasables or Mike Kudrowski. Like, we're Mike Kudrowski fans. Mike Kudrowski's a bad dude, and he wins the race. But to me, it was like an incomplete of, you know, by the next year when it's like, well, we know Jeremy's really going to struggle. Daytona's tougher. I'm like, well, I don't know. I I just thought at the time, like, well, we don't know that. Because in 95, when he got good outdoors, he went down to the first turn. So do we really know that he isn't good at Daytona? But I just felt like leaving 95, like, yep. He can't win it again. And I'm like, I don't know if crashing in the first turn, we can definitively say well, that he can't and, win Daytona. And, you know, crashing because John Dowd in front of him endos. Nothing he did. He was Yeah, exactly. He was an incomplete grade. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, want to take it anyway for Kudrowski. He was a bad dude. Maybe he wins anyway. But yeah. we just it was incomplete, the grade for McGrath. But you're right. The story was still, uh, yep. he can't win Daytona. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and so Kudrowski wins for the third year in a row, 250 class. Uh, basically, Mike Craig leads early. Uh, Mike Craig and Rhino take take each other out. Rhino jumps into him, and I, I couldn't hold back the jokes between Mike Craig and Rhino laying on the ground together. Um, but Kordowski wins. Uh, LaRocco's charging up from a bad start. Imagine that. Oh. Imagine that. Oh. 
Uh, um, uh, Henry leads the first uh, 10 laps or so, and then Kardowski just wears him down. Yogi leads for a little bit. And you know what's interesting about Yogi leading? So this is number 24 Yogi, right, Suzuki. And I'm just, like, watching Yogi, and I'm like, wait, 24. Like, I don't remember a Lusk 24 year. And I'm like, well, he must be 125 still, and he's jumping to the 250 side. But, oh, no. This was Yogi's first year as a full-time 250 guy, fourth team Suzuki, number 24. And then I'm like, hold on, I just I don't remember this. And I went back into the vault. And yeah, he didn't do that well in Supercross, missed some Supercross races with an injury. He only did two nationals this year, uh, obviously got hurt. So I, I was sort of right where I'm like, I don't remember Yogi doing anything uh, in this year. Next year he was 34, 96, 34. I remember a lot of 34 Yogi. But 24 Yogi, full time 250 guy, Weege. I had I had to go back and like she do some research. Yeah, this this rookie year was pretty much a disaster. And uh, I think I revealed on this show that in these days I was just a fan, so I was a big Suzuki Homer because my first quad was a Suzuki, mm-hmm. and I was just desperate for Suzuki to actually do something. I had been told before I was born like Suzuki was actually good. Uh, but if you grow up in the 80s, mid 80s, not a good time as a Suzuki fan. So. I was every time one of these 125 champs moved up, I'm like, this is going to be the guy. We are finally going to do it. So I was watching Yogi very carefully in 95, and it was just a whole lot of crashing. And that's why I feel that midway through 90, it was going to be another, I mean, dude, how many of these guys at Suzuki cycle through where it didn't work out? Right before this was Swink. um, I mean, you go on, Titchener, you know, Denny Stevenson, Spudman. Ramsey, just Timmy. Yeah, just, (laughs) just. Endless number of, they won 125 titles, and the 250 thing was a disaster. So I think Yogi was headed that way, and then midway through 96, he started getting good. And I was like, oh my god, he's done, Oh, he, he's basically taken the earth, stopped the rotation, and spun it the other way. Yep. That's how good Yogi ended up uh, being. So uh, yeah, 95, not good. In fact, I was surprised to see him doing this well, even in this one race. Yeah, yeah. I, he was uh, pretty good. I don't. Yeah, he yep. was. I mean, Yogi is all-timer, you know, and we've had him on this show as well. Um, by the way, yeah, but I feel like in 95, like if 96 had been the same, he would have been just like the rest of these Suzuki guys just done. Yeah, probably, uh, you know, privateer out of a ride. Everybody gives up on him. So credit to Yogi for a year later, basically straightening it all out when most guys did not. Uh, this by the way, I said, Jeremy got fifth. He got seventh. I'm sorry. I thought he worked his way to fifth. I yeah. uh, got seventh, yep. um, 30 man main event. Daytona middle of the day. Uh, so LaRocco gets second and he has a couple of horrible weeds. He comes into the turn. He's closing on Kurdowski. He's, he's actually getting close. He comes into a turn, almost high sides, stops. You know, he's off balance. He has to stop. He, it's, a, it's, a, it's a left turn. And then he g- gathers himself up, goes down the straightaway, t- makes the right, and stalls. I mean, within 10 seconds, LaRocco has – within 10 seconds, LaRocco loses 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, he goes on to get second. But here's an interesting question. Uh, that'll never be solved, and you can have any kind of opinion you want, but it was something I was thinking about on the Liet Reraceables Daytona 95. Who should have won a big bike Supercross title? LaRocco or Wyndham? Who should have oh. won? Like, like oh. LaRocco had Jeremy. Uh, LaRocco had everybody, but ba- mostly Jeremy, uh, a little bit of Ricky. Uh, and Wyndham had Ricky, Stu, Chad, and they have tons of wins. Number two got me thinking because LaRocco was number two, right? Uh, and and Wyndham would have been number two many times. Uh, which one should have won 
a big Ooh. bike supercross title? Wow. That, I've never faced that question. That's a really good one. Um, I'm going to say this. 95, one of the all-time underrated uh, seasons, because Jeremy ends up winning the title by a bazillion points like usual. Mm-hmm. But uh, at mid-season here, he has this Daytona. He loses a ton of points there because he gets seventh. And LaRocco wins another one somewhere. And they go into Charlotte a few weeks after this. I'm not joking. LaRocco is only like 10 points behind at like the 12th or 13th round. And LaRocco gets into the lead in the race. And McGrath is like fourth. And it's like, bro, we're going to be down to like a three-point lead. And LaRocco cases the triple and snaps his arm. <laughs> but my point is like, no one remembers that now that like, dude, we're down to round 12. And LaRocco's making a run. And closing the points like week in and week out. Yeah, so. Uh, but it's totally forgotten now. After 10 of 15 rounds, he wins Pontiac. Okay. Jeremy's Pontiac. fifth. Yep. And after 10 of 15 rounds, he is uh, 16 points back. And let me see if okay. they race the next week. Maybe they race is the next Charlotte week. Is Charlotte next? You never know because Cycle News, uh, you know, tends to put. Um, uh, other things on the cover. Well, I'll just keep talking here. I'll, I'll discuss the Larocco window while you look up these results. Oh wait, I, I no, feel like he, he, here it is. So yep. yeah, I'm sorry. Yep. So that that's the closest one he gets because the next week, Jeremy wins uh, in Charlotte. Uh, McGrath wins, and uh, Larocco goes out with that one. Okay, so it was 16. 16. Yep. 16, and then at that point, like in that race, I think Jeremy was like third or fourth. If Larocco wins that. He's got it down to 12 points, 10 points with five rounds to go. Five to go. Yeah. But five to go. Like, yeah. that's not. No. That is not, oh, my God, Jeremy had a 50-point lead all season. It's no. starting but to get tight. Wyndham, I mean, Wyndham, with the, with the penalty to read in 03, Wyndham took it down close. Yeah. You know? Yep. So there is that yep. for, K, for K-Dub. Yep. Uh, yeah. But you didn't answer yeah, the question. Yeah, but imagine if we're coming off okay. of uh, McGrath goes 7, 5, 2. And LaRocco goes one, uh, two one one in three straight races mm-hmm. and gets it down to like twelve points. He yeah. beats Jeremy three races in a row. He gets it down to twelve points. You'd be like, "What?" Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. but he snapped his arm, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember the McGrath the next week is like, "Well, you know, not getting hurt's part of it." Um, so that's fair. But uh, I'm just saying, LaRocco, I think a little underrated in the Kawasaki era. We remember how good he was in the uh, Honda era, also. So are yeah, you going? I, okay, are you going to say I do think I'm going to go. I'm actually, despite all that, <laughs> okay. still going to go Wyndham. <laughs> okay. Here's why: I feel like Wyndham's top end uh, was better. So, you know, I think it took the right circumstances for Larocco to get there, uh, but I think the potential for Wyndham in any week to be as good as anybody might have been a little higher. Mm-hmm. So, I'll still go with that. Okay. All right. Fair enough. It's a good bench raising question, though. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And what's funny is, I mean, they were teammates for a long time. They know each other very well. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, Kurdowski wins his third in a row. Mike Kurdowski, again, one of the most underrated riders we've had in the sport. Uh, but I believe outside of Daytona, Kurdowski only won two regular quote unquote supercrosses. I believe he's got five wow. wins in his career wow. indoors and three of them are Daytonas. How wow. random is that? So. That's crazy. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk 125s before we bring uh, Red Dog on here. Um, so 
uh, yeah, Red Dog's second career win, Floridian winning Daytona. That's got to be pretty cool. Hopefully, Weege, will he remember much from this race? Where, where are we at with – we always make jokes about Red Dog and his lack of knowledge about his own racing career. My only faith that I have in Timmy here is that he actually suggested this race, so he must remember something. He must remember something. We know this is the very same year. Two months later, he wins High Point, and uh, he, again, he used the trophy as a doorstop. So for some reason, at least Daytona must have a little extra that he at least remembered to say, I would like to do this race for this show. Now, we know that you shit on Timmy a lot um, over oh, really? when he yeah. raced. Yeah. like He was a test rider for Stu and everything else. But yep. on the other hand, Jersey Zone Jason Wygant, Tim Ferry rode for RRP, Cowie, Yamaha, Honda. This is his first year Suzuki, Factory Suzuki. He went uh, four for four for the four Japanese brands in four years. D- but did yeah. you have, you must have had a small, back then, you must have had a small piece of your heart for Tim Ferry, RRP. Oh, no, big time. Oh, okay. Hey, the yeah. Suzuki thing yep. I was telling you about, yep. any one of these 125 prospects were going to be the next guy to finally show honda that suzuki was superior all 12 of them that didn't pan out <laughs> that, that, never for suzuki. Worked, right. that never worked out for suzuki and then ended up going to other brands and doing better uh like timmy um yeah and uh yeah he would show up it was always so random you see a pickup with florida plates and whatever bike he was riding that year in the back and timmy would go, come to the kawasaki race of champions and usually do really well i never understood that connection at all mm-hmm. back in, i didn't know anything about rrp or who or why yeah but yeah oh i was a big timmy fan okay all right good good to yep. know yeah i was uh, yep. uh mike rossini was at uh, as we record this um iron man had just happened mike rossini was there so i know that's crazy I, I don't and uh ty wallace who and was ty in this wallace. race you said they were hanging out yep yep absolutely yep. so uh good to see that so 125 race that's the one we're really going to focus on um it's uh it's got Wyndham, uh, K- uh k-dub rookie year on the yamaha it has because uh, he he made the debut the year before uh, racing the nationals, but full rookie year K Dub first one. It has uh, Robbie Renard in it as well, uh, number twenty two. Robbie uh, Mike Brown's in it for Honda of Troy. Jamie Dobb in it for Honda of Troy. You know who's an underrated star of this race that I was kind of like, oh look at that. You know who I'm going to say, Weege? He was a factor in the heat. He was a factor. Davey Yezik. Yes, yes, Davey Yezik, bro. Like yes. I knew he was good, but he. This race was really good for Davey Yezik. Yezik had like uh, two runs in him. I think there was a year where he was podium guy, maybe 93, and then he was back in 95, like on it. Um, I did not live in the Morgantown area at this point, uh, but by the time I did get there like six years later, uh, Davey was like a full-on legend uh, of the area. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. Red Dog doesn't get a good start. You don't even yep. see him, like you mentioned. He has to pass and Barry. RIP, I, I believe uh, Davey's, uh, Davey Yezik's mom, Mary, just passed this week. Um, so some of the people on Facebook that I know from that PA area, that's a, that's a big, big deal. The Yezik's are like a first-class motocross family of the District 5 area. So, yeah, privateer, I, I believe he got two podiums, I think, in Supercross, like legit straight up. And he passed away, right? Yeah, he did uh, not that long ago, a couple of years ago. So, uh, yeah, that's why maybe his mom passing this week is an even bigger deal because they're considered like, uh, you know, top families of District 5 motocross. Yeah. Um, the 90s unkind to some of our, our former stars. Um, so, yeah, very good day for Davey. He's like fourth, fourth in the main event. I, he's a privateer, right? He's at this point, right? 95? He's just a 
he's not like a full Suzuki. I don't know who they were supporting through like dealerships yeah. Yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, but, he, but he's not Team Suzuki at all. No, no. no. Uh, good job for Davey Yezik. Our guy, Red Dog. He has to pass uh, Barry Karsten. Perhaps you heard of Barry? Bayville? Bayville Zone? Uh, Barry. Barry's still, Barry's still rolling pretty good here, Steve. Yeah. There's a nice top five in him. I think he ends up six in the end, but he's right there. Right in it, right with the leaders, right at the front. They they focus on Treadwell and Karsten going at it a few times, and I just I'm just blown away because then, like Loretta's 2020, they are yep. going at it again, just like 95 Daytona and probably just like 89 Daytona, like just yeah Treadwell Karsten. I just yeah. I just yeah, love yeah, this kind yeah, of exactly. stuff. Right, I cannot get away from this guy. Right, uh, 27 years. If you show up at the track, we'll be about the same. <laughs> Uh, Timmy has to pass Karsten. He has to pass Robbie Renard, who uh, looks a little winded by the end uh, when he's when he's shown. Uh, he has to pass Jezik. Uh, he has to pass Kevin Windham uh, and Pichon. Now, Pichon gets some banners caught in his rear wheel, like I mentioned. Banners everywhere. Uh, Timmy gets banners in his rear wheel. At one point, Red Dog, we'll ask him about it, but he, has to, he slows down and singles a couple of things and mentions that maybe he thought his bike was going to stop, you know, from these banners. Uh yeah, banners, everybody. But also, Weege, also, warmed my heart. John Sebastian Waugh leads for a little bit. JSR. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was uh, I was here for the Carson versus JSR battle because, I, I mean, you just need to be on JSR's side. We'll take Canada versus New Jersey. Right. And uh, I believe we came out on top. You did. Uh, yeah, JSR, number national number 78 this year, goes back to 11th. Uh, Doug DeHaan, another Canadian. Fifteenth uh, in the main event, uh, they keep call it's Dehan, but they keep calling him Dehan. Um, yeah, the announcers too. Yep. Uh, well, I believe Yezik was Yezik. True. Yeah, Yezik. Like a like a like like Yeezy or something like a rapper. Uh, and Nathan Ramsey, Suzuki Privateer, is in the mix as well. Uh, in there, Larusso, Tony Larusso, tenth. But a really, like you said, a really good job for Red Dog. Like, uh, look, was he helped by the banners in Pichon's rear wheel? Yes. But uh, he came from way back and, you know, passed some pretty good dudes to, to take this win. It's a pretty darn stacked field uh, when you look at all those names you mentioned. It's no joke, this 95-125 uh, East field. Um, so, yeah, that makes it that much more impressive, especially with how far back he was. Uh, again, I'm, if you watch the race back, everybody, you'll be like, I this cannot be the year Ferry wins. Cannot be. Shout because out. he's like yeah. sixth and so far behind. Yeah, you're right. And then the next year, Suzuki hires Ramsey, right? I think it was the next year. Uh, they just kept recycling. Ninety-seven, I know for sure he was on the team. I'm not sure about. Yeah. Well, no. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe ninety-seven, but they keep getting these. Yeah. They just keep cycling through them, and we're we'll ask Red Dog. Uh, I I believe he was signed for the a tidy sum of twenty-five grand this year. So, um, yeah, that's great because MXA, according to MXA, it was. Uh, I think they estimated at least eighty-five thousand dollars is what they said. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. We'll ask him about yeah. that. He's, I believe it said something like Timmy is expected to sign for the uh, standard base Suzuki salary estimated to be around $85,000. Mm, well, I think, I think never change MXA. Yeah, I think, I think he'll tell us it was different. Uh, I want to thank the folks at Max's Tires as well. Uh, SGB Max's team, A Ray, Cade, putting in main events, uh, Bryson Gardner, Chase Kessler out there at Nationals, Max's.com, Jeremy McGrath, the guy we just talked about, he helped develop the MXSTs and uh, they make light truck tires, trailer tires. And dirt bike tires, MXSTs are great. Maxis.com, really, really good mountain bike tires as well. The uh, Minions are the ones that I use. So please check out Maxis.com for more information 
on that. I want to thank the folks at ProTaper, of course. Uh, back then, uh, Kevin Windham, John Dowd, uh, using ProTaper bars. They, they had that crossbarless bar way back in the day, and uh, they continued to in- innovate and elevate. They got the Cella Start device. They got the new ACF bar, carbon fiber reinforced ends on it. Rockstar Energy Husqvarna using the sprockets and chains and bars. And you have uh, the Star Yamaha guys, which all uh, all 18 of them riding a uh, ProTaper-equipped Yamahas out there. So ProTaper.com for more information on that. Thank you to those guys for coming on board. And, of course, Liat.com as well. Uh, we've got the categories coming up, uh, of course, coming up here shortly. And uh, and we'll talk to Tim Ferry about Daytona 95. We, we, what was the first year you went to Daytona? We've covered this. It, it's not impressive. It's oh. the year I announced for the first time, which is – that's right. Way late. Yeah. 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 You never yeah, I do not have a yeah. good Daytona record. I always thought maybe you made it down there, you know, but because uh, you were working at Disney World for a while in your life. Yeah. But that unfortunately, my shift was uh, July through January. Oh. I was never there at the right time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A really, really uh, iconic race for sure, especially back then. 30 guys. Uh, um, well, they had 40 back in the day, like in, in the mid 80s. It was 40 dudes. Back row starts. They, God. they crossed the speedway at one point. They went across the concrete into a field and back over the fi- back over the, the speedway. I mean, good God. <laughs> it was just an epic, epic race uh, on so many levels. Uh, we're coming up with uh, Red Dog here on the uh, Liat Re-Raceables Daytona 95. And now let's bring on the, uh, the honored guest of the Liat Re-Raceables. It's taken us a while. We each fought it, but I managed to make it happen. Ah. <laughs> I got Tim Ferry on the Lee at Re-Raceables. What's up, Red Dog? I'm doing good, man. Glad to be on. Yeah. I, have no, I, I have no idea what a Re-Raceable is. But... <laughs> Perfect. Well, you do well, know... <laughs> he took a shower to prepare for the video, of which we're not even doing, to give you an <laughs> I didn't know, and I got, I, got, I got my sponsor's hat on. I got, you know, I'm, I'm kidded right now, but... <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, Red Dog, this is 95 Daytona. As we know, you're from Florida. Uh, this is your second career 125 Supercross win. Your first year at Suzuki, you won the opener uh, as well in Orlando. Uh, Orlando? I think it's Orlando. Um, yeah, it was Orlando, yep. What was bigger for you, that first win? Because coming in, coming into this year, you had seven podiums and not a win, right? Seven second or third places, and then you hadn't won. You won Orlando, the opener, and then you win this one. I'm thinking this one's a bigger deal for you at that time. Maybe not. Yeah, I mean, that's hard. it's hard to say. I mean, obviously, the first one's always, you know, pretty uh, important. I mean, but when you win a Daytona, I think it's always like a next level win. It's almost like winning in Anaheim in a sense. So, um, And I'm from Florida, so I would almost go with um, this race was probably a little bit more – prestigious or impressive i think plus you two watch watching back how you know how it unfolded um the orlando one i just honestly i won it and i almost didn't know how i won it i just the bike was really good and that was my first race of the team and mm-hmm. and it's like i was just i was just fast it wasn't i didn't feel like i was going in oh i'm gonna dominate just kind of won i was like shocked so well like like every other win timmy let's face it um so uh okay you you rode for rrp you went you went cowie Yamaha, Honda, Factory Suzuki, four brands in four years. You went through them all. Um, let's talk about which which of those bikes did you like the best? Uh, uh, was the Suzuki much better than the production bikes at the time, like your, your factory bike? 
Yeah, I mean, I would say there was something about that 95 Suzuki. Um, and I think in 93 and 94, it was really good as well. Um, so they just, they, it's funny, they had ABC engine packages, like mm-hmm. uh, as far as like the cylinder. Yep. And uh, and then I think you had two pipe options. Um, but yeah, the bike was just right out of, right out of even this, in stock form, it was really good. So yeah. Um, I don't know. I think the Suzuki was good. I really didn't. I liked. I liked the Honda too the year before. Yeah. Um, that bike was pretty uh, like a step up from the Yamaha from '93. So, um, the, but the '95 Suzuki, the factory bike, ran really, really well. You signed uh, a two-year deal or one year? No, I signed a one-year. Actually, Buzzard um, had called me and approached me at Southwick. Okay. Um, about doing a deal and. They actually flew me to to uh, to California, and so I got on an airplane and went to California, slept a night in a hotel, and I can't remember who I met. I met two Japanese guys the next day in a lobby or something. Okay, and they had me. They had a contract for me to sign, and I'm like, I was like 19 years old. I'm like, uh, well, thank you, but I can't sign this right now. And uh, I think it was like for like 24 grand. So and, uh, why why do they need to fly you to California to sign a contract? I don't understand that. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. It was just super weird. Like, and then I'm just like a 19 year old kid. Yeah. Um, heck, I might have, yeah, I was, I just turned 19. And, uh, and I was like in front of two Japanese guys. And, you know, I'm just, you know, been a privateer. So I was a little bit, you know, in shock a little bit. I kind of almost, after, after it was all said and done, I was like, man, I probably should have signed that contract. They probably could have revoked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's um, funny. But yeah. they, they, they did like a, they booked a ticket like in a day and I want to say it was like, I want to say it was like over a thousand dollars and that was a lot of money back then. So they just <laughs> flew you out to sign the contract though. You didn't ride a bike. No, I didn't even leave the airport or I, went, I left the airport <laughs> and I went to the hotel and I met with these guys in a hotel and then yeah. I must've went back to my room and I got an airplane and went back home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I still to this day probably guys really don't, understand what they were expecting from me and you didn't sign um, it and you didn't sign it no i didn't sign it <laughs> what <laughs> that's great that's good stuff yeah but if, if, listen it, if that if that happens today <laughs> for sure bobby reagan or any of the other guys are like this guy's an idiot we're never signing this guy probably probably yeah but but then again but, like know, i was 19 years old yeah, who, ex- who expects a kid to not have a lawyer or a parent look over a signal as a contract <laughs> I, oh that's awesome and it was 24 grand 24 grand there we go we each tell them a story uh yeah nxa said you're expected to sign for the base suzuki salary which is widely known as eighty five thousand dollars. so i thought well, you were loaded at that point <laughs> trust me um <laughs> It was the cool. The cool thing was the next year because I did pretty good that year before I broke my jaw. Um, I came back and won some motos outdoors. I don't know if I won it overall that year, but uh, high point, um, bro. Stop. Oh, that's right. Yeah, high point. And uh, I got fifty thousand the next year, and that was a two, nice. that was a two, that was a two year deal. So I really I was I was rolling in it. You know, the next couple of years. Uh, <laughs> we we were. What's the what's the win bonus in nineteen ninety five? I mean, I'm thinking like. Maybe seven or eight thousand, maybe five thousand. It wasn't much. Wow, wow. Um, the championship bonus, and on my first year, 
I think it was maybe the same as my salary. And then the next year, it was like 50000 salary, 50000 for a championship bonus. So, so in 95, if you go out and totally kill it and win like a Supercross title and a bunch of races, you still probably can't make $100,000. No, but if you listen, like, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm, I'm not, I'm nine, I turned pro in 91, which it was only a few nationals. So 92, 93, 94, 95. 96, 97, you know, if you go to the end of Suzuki, I've literally still not made more than probably 300 grand. <laughs> together, Jeez. all together. Yeah, six <laughs> yes, yes. years. But Mathis thinks we're all loaded and rich. But uh, Well, but, but now they are, absolutely. Uh, Josh Grant's pulling in 750 as a, as a lights rider back in the day. Yeah, well, those, those were the days. 26,000. So think about that. He was making more than I was. 12 years after this. You made twenty four. JG was making about seven hundred. <laughs> Twelve years yeah, later, in ninety eight, I made twenty five again. Oh boy! So I was really. <laughs> hey, ninety nine, I got twenty five again, but I actually never got paid. So now I'm like, now I'm eight years into a career. <laughs> Most riders don't even make it eight years, and I'm I'm still not over the four hundred thousand dollar mark in eight years. I, I'm still blown away, Weege, that the Japanese flew him there, gave him a contract, he flew back east without signing a contract. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was, I'm try, I just can't remember who I actually met, but um, one of the guys ended up being there for a while. Probably Hide. Probably Hide. Uh, I want to say it's Toshi. Oh, Tosh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Tosh was there. Uh, I think Tosh was him. And then um, he was always really cool. Like, yep. But um, you'd only see those guys when it was important times, you know? Right. Um, all right. So while you did have um, – we have categories in the Elite Re-Raceables, uh, Red Dog, and one of the categories is Lit Kit and the, the rider who looked the best. And I couldn't do it, man, UFO. I, I just couldn't do it. But I believe you also, with, with the win – at Orlando, you would have given UFO their first ever American Supercross win, I believe. I didn't go back and check the records, but you know, I think you I, you did. <laughs> yeah, po possibly. Yeah, I think uh, honestly, when I look back at the race, when I knew we were going to do this, um, you know, like half hour ago, um, it was. I thought the, the kit looked pretty good. To be honest, <laughs> not bad. I, I don't not lit kit worthy though. For for UFO, yes, I think. It's well, who, well, who get. well, put it this way: Who else out there looked better than me? I will say that Honda Troy guys look kind of cool. Right. Yep. Um, Axel stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was cool, but yeah, I and Pashan stuff was okay. What was he wearing JT? Yeah. So that was kind of cool too. So, yeah. Oh, I think my UFO deal was like six thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did have that. It's great. Oh my god! And, and they sent me. They sent me the whole year of gear up front in a huge box, so I had to nurse it through the year. <laughs> it's when you're talking this little amount of money. I mean, okay, I know you didn't have the full compound, you know, that you would have later on, but like, it's significant. Like, you can't pay a trainer or anybody when you're making that kind of money. Like, can you even maintain your own track or anything? No, that in '95 I would go ride at my friend Kenneth Jones' house. His family always let me ride there, thankfully, because um, nobody else had a track around. So they were always gracious to me. And I, when he got hurt, when sometimes when he got hurt, there was nobody there. Like he would just stay in like the garage doing his homework because he was homeschooled. And I would just go out and I would ride with a with a watch on my handlebar for 15 or 20 minutes, and I would just come in. If I crashed out there, I would have been done. 
There was, there was nobody there. <laughs> he was just in the house doing his homework. That was a good property, though. I've been there a few times back in the day. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. so good. It but, was good. Yeah, I bought my first – the land that I actually just recently sold, I actually bought it. It was $100,000. Um, and I had to owner finance it from the guy and uh, because I couldn't afford to buy it. In 98, so right? You bought it in 98? Yeah, 98. Yeah. The 20 acres, yeah. Right, right. Wow. Uh, Red Dog, you almost die in the heat. I don't know if you watch the heat races, but you almost yeah. go over the bars. Uh, you, <laughs> you do you do catch and pass Kevin Windham. I don't know whatever happened to him, but uh, you do catch and pass Kevin Windham in the heat and the main event. Um, yeah, it was a really great ride. It was it was really stellar. You got banners caught up and rolled some jumps for, for like, Maybe twenty seconds, and uh, Pashon got banners in his in his in his uh, bike as well. So lots going on. There there was a lot. I, yeah, I mean, I remember I won. I, I just remembered that I came from way back and I won. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it how until I went back and watched it. You know, and then you kind of relive it. and You're like, oh yeah, that happened. Oh, like then when I saw like the hay bale cover on me, I'm like, man, that I don't remember that happened. And then I, as I start thinking, I'm like, oh yeah. And then like something happened, but like I went into neutral and yeah. I thought I was gone. And yeah, you thought so, yeah, you, you said in the, too, it, I'm like, man, it, you said in the interview, in you said in the interview, you thought your chain came off afterwards and then you slowed and then you you looked down, your chain was on. So then you kept racing. <laughs> <laughs> simple times, simple yeah, times, yeah. guys. <laughs> uh, there, there was a, I don't know, Weege, I don't know if you noticed, but there was like, I think it was an on off or something that red was doing a lot of guys weren't uh, they were screwing it up a little bit uh it was kind of uh it was like a left or a right hand uh dog leg and uh the, the jump was uh you know kind of like a clear uh clear dirt like white dirt and red dog was yep. doing that you were you were doing that most of the main and it was it looked fast i don't know if you remember this I, or yeah i yeah i think what was happening is everybody was taking like the inside line mm-hmm. and then i would just go wide square up and come across the rut so i had like a fresh track mm-hmm. so it took me a while to get there to get to that line i remember after i got past Bashan, i turned right i went in a video and i kind of looked over to make sure he wasn't going to t-bone me or how close he was and then i just took the time to jump on yeah that track was you know when i go back i always just did really good there um you know it was always kind of hot because it was during the day it was 15 laps so the moto was kind of long um, you know, back then it was a minute and a half a lap. So, and they went by laps. So they were, they were tough races sometimes. How about those transitions, Gary Bailey's? Oh my, well, I, the other thing I noticed <laughs> when I watched the video is a lot of times it looked like I just kind of slowed down and got the obstacles where the other guys kind of like tried to race it all yeah, and almost was a little slower and more patient. And then I think probably saved me a lot of energy too, in the long run. With you uh, winning the opener and then winning Daytona, I'm guessing DeCosta was talking to you around this time. Like, he was really into it. Probably not a lot. (laughs) 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 Um, Well, it was just just so different then. I mean, we all had our own box fans. And, uh, yeah, he was – I mean, obviously he was pretty excited that, you know, I was winning and stuff. But he really was focused on that, the 250 guys. And – that was a pretty big team and, you know, very unorganized compared to today's standards, you know? Yeah. You have, um, yeah. I, I want to say, I think on, in training. So when I, when Suzuki sent me the bikes, um, they sent them in a crate to my house and, uh, we uncrated them and I wrote them stock and I actually had Mike from RRP actually do the suspension 
add a bunch of stuff to it. And then like I did, I raced English town with like Mike stuff. I think I didn't get like the, the bike, like the race bike or like the cylinder and that stuff until like maybe like December sometime. Um, we went to Ezra's and tested all parts cause he had a supercross track and, uh, then we just raced it. Like, I don't know, a few weeks later. So I rode, I, you, you started with a stock bike. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I do remember, uh, at, Steve, do you remember the weird thing at this time where DeCoster was like writing columns for like dirt bike magazine? Was he still in 95? Uh, I thought, yes, he, okay. like even while he, yep. he gets the job as team manager, he's still doing it. Right. And it was so weird. I guess this is true. I remember in his column, he writes, and good job by Tim Ferry for basically preparing himself to win the Orlando opener because we really weren't doing anything. <laughs> is that, well, okay, so there you go. Pretty much yeah. is about right. Yeah. I remember, it was just I, basically like, yeah, we weren't paying any attention to him, and he just did his own deal, and good for him for working hard enough to win because we didn't do anything. <laughs> That's why I say it was a little bit of a shock when we won, or I won, because it was just it was so easy. Like, before I knew it, the race was over. I wasn't tired, nothing. I'm like, how did I just do that? Like, normally, like, to get on a podium the year before, it was like, you know, you're just, you know, working yourself to death. So, um, yep. I don't, and we were, I mean, looking back, like, I mean, obviously we were training and I was running and going to the gym, and, you know, doing stuff, but I mean, very, very unorganized compared to <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't help when you have zero budget for anything that doesn't, doesn't help. Yeah. Like, like no, there's, yeah, there's no practice bike mechanic. There's no track. There's no, there's nothing. You probably can't, I probably practice on pump gas. <laughs> I might not even practice on race gas. You uh, <laughs> you finished fourth in the series. Uh, Pashawn wins. Brown, Yezik, David Yezik, third overall. Yezik was good in this race, Timmy, too. Yeah, I, you know, I remember there, there was a lot of guys like Yezik, um, Karsten, Treadwell was in there. There yeah. was a lot of guys like that that were that were really good. If if it was today's time, you know, they would be like still like Mitch Payton's like second, second tier rider, you know, right, or right, right. Suzuki's second tier rider. There just was no rides back then. So, um, yeah, they were, they were really, really good. Uh, Tim Ferry, Lee at Re-Raceables, 95 Daytona. Uh, what a win. What a, what a, what a job. Now, any listener of the uh, Pulp Show knows that unbelievably you have your overall high point trophy as a doorstop when you lived at the old property in the fuel shed <laughs> and it just disgusts me now now the trophy is really uh, about a 13 dollar trophy uh so it, it really isn't much of a trophy i get it uh what where's the 95 daytona trophy i don't know but i i, I do know that i've i when i was packing my stuff up um I did grab that that Mount Morris trophy out of that shed when I was moving. Out <laughs> okay, of the house. well that's good, great. So I did leave behind some like I actually just left them there. I left some uh, some races where I was in Europe racing, some trophies, like some different stuff, a bunch of memorabilia. The, the Racer X thing, I just left it all in that shed. <laughs> um, but I, I the, the Daytona come on, one, man, the, the Daytona one is pretty cool though because it is kind of like it's a big, like a real trophy. Yeah, yeah, it's like a real trophy. So. Um, you know, the supercross ones were a joke. They were like these glass, like they were like shaped kind of like, um, well, like half oval or something. So they wouldn't fall over. That was it. Well, in, in, uh, during the COVID races, we had trophies that looked like an iPhone for a podium trophy. So th not much had changed. 
But so you, <laughs> so you don't know where it is, or you, you have it, but you do have it. I, I do have it because I right. boxed all, all all that stuff up. I, I I will tell you though, I did throw away a lot of trophies. Um, I just dude, I had too many. Like I was just I had I, I was putting stuff in boxes, and then I like kept like having different piles, and then like they're pri- I was trying to prioritize all of them, which ones I was going to keep because, and they're all in a storage unit right now, and I keep thinking every month I pay for the store the storage unit. And I'm like, I'm just wasting money. Those things may never, ever make it back onto a shelf somewhere. <laughs> you don't have the Summer Cross trophy, you know. I, I, I did keep the Scott boots. Um, okay. Yeah, that was kind of cool. So I kept I kept a few things. I actually want to send you some more stuff. So Okay. Whoa. All right. Well, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you got the... Any any trophy you're going to use, use for a doorstop, you could send over. All right? We'll, we'll put it in the studio. <laughs> uh, uh, that... Did you do you remember thinking like uh, so at this time Wyndham's a rookie. This is Renard's uh, second year, I believe. They're kind of the next big things. Um, did you do you remember thinking like ah oh, you know I got a chip on my shoulder for these dudes? Like you pass Wyndham, you pass Renard. You know, th- I mean, obviously you're a factory guy too, but you know you're they're a little bit more hyped than you. I feel like even though you came out of Loretta's with the most titles uh, at that time when you came out. Uh, but do you remember thinking like oh yeah like screw these guys? I honestly I don't know I I don't think we really I just don't feel like maybe I was just different I didn't I mean until I went back and watched the race I didn't even realize Rainer and Wyndham were in it so <laughs> I didn't really, I, I only knew that I remembered that I beat Pashan and I thought Pashan like he was just like you know like a typical French guy he's just so good so smooth I just remember that I caught him past him but then when I went back and watched and then Dob was in there and I was like mm-hmm. I was like wow there's some really good guys in this main event. And, um, I'm, I'm forgetting a few too, but I don't feel like I ever, we really didn't think about that crap. I don't feel like, um, I don't, I don't, I don't really remember worrying about it or thinking about it or I definitely wasn't losing no sleep about it. Uh, there's a shot of big Tim afterwards. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. What, what'd you do this night? Do you remember? Did you do anything? Did you go to like Applebee's and celebrate? What, what, anything from this (laughs) night that you remember? I don't, I don't remember really, honestly, we probably just, (laughs) okay. We def- well, I mean, I was 19 years old, so I, we weren't like yeah, no razzles, no razzles. Or no, I never yeah. even been to. I never even been to razzles. Wow, Weege, can you believe it? I have uh, no, I have no idea where it's at, dude. Honestly, when you leave Daytona, man, you're so tired. If you got time to go out to razzles, man, you should have went faster. <laughs> <laughs> especially, especially the day races. Imagine 20 laps at a minute and a half. You know. When you're on yeah. the big bikes, I remember racing there with Carmichael. I was always good. I get the second to Carmichael. By the end of the moto, you're just you're so tired. But the other guys are even more tired. Like you just lap them like a couple times. Well, I think during this time too, you're just praying for on Gary Bailey's design jumps to not die. You're just trying well, to not die. Yeah, like I, I noticed that when I watched the video, like just probably being from Florida. Um, you know, you always ride the edges of the track, you know, every time we practice and stuff. So you're always, we were always really good at picking lines because it was just so rough here to ride. Um, so I noticed that was the biggest thing. I was just, I was finding all the smooth lines, um, cutting back some of the turns and stuff. Um, m- more similar style to stuff I grew up riding on. I did a lot of uh, night racing too. Mm-hmm. So this is just kind of similar to that, I think. And I, and I was thinking about it while I was watching that race was, the longer I stayed on the circuit, um, 
I feel like almost the less um, creative I was, I was not as good in the sand because you don't ride sand anymore. Mm-hmm. As soon as you start traveling and racing everywhere, you know, in the beginning, I used to love Southwick because, you know, I was a sand rider. I used to love Daytona. But by the end, like, you ride so much hard pack, you're not really good in sand anymore. So, and I, when I was watching a video, I'm like, man, I actually knew I was riding really well. Like, I didn't, I was timing stuff and cutting stuff back. It was, yeah. it was cool to watch, go back and watch it because I, I just feel like when I think about 90s, I just think, you know, front end high, people front end high, and <laughs> just everybody just being slow. Just, yeah. Well, Go ahead, Weech. Uh, did you feel okay? I mean, you apparently don't even remember who was in this race, so I'm not sure what you remember. But I you remember Pichon so was back. in it. He remembers Pichon. You were so far back. <laughs> yeah, you knew Pichon was in it. Um, you were so far back, and you had to pass Wyndham and Raynard and Yezik, a lot of guys, and the, not just pass them, but the gaps were big. Do you remember thinking, like, I'm watching this race, and I'm like, damn, this is impressive. The guy came from like sixth to first, and like way, way back. Do you remember thinking that at the end of the day, like, this is a really, really good ride? Do you remember that? Yeah, I just, I, I feel like I just kind of like, you know, put my head down in a sense where, and I just like rode the track and like those guys, those guys would make like some really big bobbles. And so I just kind of just hit my marks the whole time. I didn't, I didn't feel like I really went fast. I just feel like they all kind of got little tired or a little squirrely um and i just kind of rode the track like with a lot of thought i feel like where they just like there was a couple of lines that i had that were just a lot better and i was going inside in a couple turns and they would go to the outside and i was gaining like a second you know hitting this one inside rut so um but it was yeah it wasn't like i was just kind of more just go i was almost like going through the motions um and staying steady versus spiking my heart rate real high um, like I said, I think that goes back to just growing up riding on sand a lot. Um, just learning to, con- you know, control your heart rate. And it looked like it was a real physical track. So when you ride sand all the time, you're usually really strong, um, versus somebody that rides on hard pack, which Wyndham always rode hard packed really, really well. And so did Raynard. So we would go to steel city and those guys are really fast on those like real hard slippery tracks. So do you remember thinking you'd have problems with the great JSR who was leading? <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, honestly, I forgot he was in that race too. I, I raced with him a ton. Legend. Um, yeah, he was really good. He was a really good rider. And you race and you race with Rollerball. One of my favorite riders to race with, honestly. <laughs> you hear Seriously. that? You hear that, Weech? What did you say that just for Steve's sake? No, no, he, for this? no. I, I I probably said it before, but when I would do winter winter series races, you know, back up three or four years, which I think I made more. Actually, go back. Orlando, when I was a privateer, I would race on Saturday night, and then I'd race Bithlow on Sunday. <laughs> so we would go to Bithlow and race. Yeah, I made more money on Sunday than I did at the, at the Supercross. And then, <laughs> we would, hey, we would race four 30-minute motos, so two, two on 125, two on 250. And then I would drive home. My dad would drive me home um, in our box van, and I would be leg, legs cramped really bad because you're just exhausted. And I would go to school Monday morning. Oh my god! And racing 30, yeah. 35 year old rollerball, yeah, yeah. So so rollerball, like I I can I can remember racing him at Dade City, and uh, and he was a pretty good sand rider. And I come up on him, past him, and he just slams me. And I'm like, whoa! So I got to gather my thoughts and come back up onto him. He slams me again, cuts me off, like mm-hmm. you know. So I learned a lot about mm-hmm. like how to like I learned a lot about how to 
learn different riders and you know when you're going to pass somebody so then i learned that all right i'm passing rollerball i'm going to take my time and when i pass him i'm gone because i'm not going to give him a shot at me so he taught me a lot about like you know being a real racer versus just being a fast kid you know as if you ever passed the great rollerball as if i dude i freaking smoked him all the time (laughs) whatever I, i honestly think i don't he probably did beat me some but it wasn't very much. I mean, I was 16, 17 and he was like in his mid thirties. Yeah, no, I, he was, so, he was near the end, but, but, um, you have, we, we should do a Lee at re-raceables from, if we can ever find the footage, uh, Timmy, uh, got it. I think Weed, you might've heard this story, but Yokohama flew him to race the J- Japanese supercross, like in 89, we uh, read 90, 91. I think it was in 91. 91. Yokohama. Oh, it was the Loretta's tie-in, right? Yeah. Isn't Loretta's sponsorship thing? Yeah. Well, the first the first year in 1990, um, when I won it, we bought the Yokohama tires at the race because if you won on Yokohamas, <laughs> you got a free trip. You got a free trip to Japan, and I won the I won two schoolboy classes there. And then the next year, I actually rode for Yokohama. I ran their tires, and then part of them um brought me over there to race um the supercross but i raced 250s and i was like (laughs) dude i was like 16 years old and i'm racing with jeff ford rick johnson like all these guys and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) 16 on yokohama's in japan racing i don't think i ever i don't i don't think i ever raced a supercross before that i think my first year in supercross was 92 (laughs) <laughs> so if if I'm if, if I'm getting my timeline right, but I but I remember like just race Rick Johnson uh, didn't know who I was and he thought I was a Japanese rider, and uh, <laughs> so on the start <laughs> he told me this even back like he goes I just remember that time you came to Japan and I thought you were a Japanese guy he told me that back like Tim, when I was still racing we Tim, were eating dinner Tim Ferry son Tim Ferry son <laughs> and uh, he just thought it because I jumped the triples before any of the pro guys did. Like I was the first guy to jump the triples. I'm like, it was like this massive 80 foot triple. And I'm like, well, I just thought everybody was going to jump it. So I just went for it like second lap. And, uh, and then I actually ended up in the main event, came out second in the main event, OJ, the same triple and flew off the berm into the cameraman. (laughs) (laughs) That's how my Japanese experience. Yeah. Yeah. The the re-raceables episode will be real short. Be real short. <laughs> Very short. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, those, the kamikaze pilots, as they would say, these Japanese guys, they're over their head. Yeah. Tim Ferry from Japan. Yeah. Ferry yeah. son. Yeah. Next time you Ferry see RJ in a race, say, hey, did you really think Tim Ferry was a Japanese guy when you were in Japan? He'll start <laughs> laughing. Oh, it's great. Oh, uh, good times. So, also, you showed up for the Reddits and just ran Yokohama tires for the first time. Ba- bought them. Yeah. Bought them. Yeah, we bought them. Actually, that bike actually that I won the Reddas on that CR125 actually got stolen at one point. And oh, you, the it, greatest story ever that your dad yeah. had to tell, where he had to beat yeah. up the gang members to get it back. Yeah, so my dad, <laughs> my dad and me went down there. Well, a friend of ours called and said, "Hey, we seen Tim. Uh, I think seen Timmy's bike, you know, down in this rough area." And uh, and they're like, "Yeah, it got stolen last night." So uh, me and my dad went down and drove around all day. You could see the guys riding bikes, but we couldn't catch them. And then later on that night, Willie, I, th- I think it was my dad, um, Brian Abel, and Willie Manning possibly went down there and they freaking got the bike. I think my dad clotheslined the guy off the bike and 
Um, Brian Abel jumped on it, and then all the other guys on the bike started chasing him, and then the cops started chasing him. And uh, so I ended up winning the Reddits on that bike. West, it was the only bike I had. West Palm stories. <laughs> <laughs> I finally got your dad to do an interview, I think, two years ago on the Reddits. He's told me that story over and over. I'm like, can we record this? I want people no, it's, to know it's, how different the sport is now. Dude, you got to remember, I was like – Dude, it came like we walked outside in the morning early, and the and the garage the door is open on this like little shed that my dad worked on out of in the backyard, and like your heart just drops because it's the only motorcycle that you got. I actually took three the year before I was sponsored by Honda, and Honda like when the economy must have crashed, um, they stopped all their support. So I took like three CR80s and we bought one CR125, and that was the bike I rode the whole year. <laughs> And this is a top schoolboy class. Um, yeah, which I won both titles. Yeah, schoolboy. That's the class that Hayden Deegan was in this year. Like, no, I'm no, no. That was a, no. It's one that Cochran won this year. Well, schoolboy one twenty five. They split it in half. It's true. There's a schoolboy two and schoolboy one. But I'm just saying, like, these are well known. This wasn't like you were in the C class. No, no, no. Yeah, it was. It was a. I mean, it was a premier. It was a premier like class. Yes. So I'm giving people schoolboy two this year was won by Deegan. Yes. And schoolboy one was won by Casey Cochran. Like that's the class yep. you're in with one bike all one year. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I borrow, I used to buy, I used to borrow like my, my, my dad's buddy, Jim Squires, uh, CR 250 to like race locally. Does not put time on my, on my other bike. <laughs> oh, what a gosh. different time. What a different time. Yeah. Uh, hey, yep. so yeah. I, so I had, a, I was into an eight year career um and probably still wasn't making no. 350 or 400 total <laughs> does uh all right well, does the we'll uh just tell these fans we just need to go back you know sports yeah. dying now we yeah. need to go back to the glory days right, and sports right. so much bigger and better we just need to go back. oh right yeah exactly just yep. yep. uh which which daytona is this the most memorable daytona for you i mean when i worked for you know three uh we got third almost got lapped though by ricky but still you're on the box of daytona uh you were second i think another time uh, never won it. Uh, definitely, you were really good there, like you said. But is the is this the one the one Daytona that stands out, or is there another one for you? Um, I don't I don't know. I would say I would go back. I think maybe a ninety three might have been my f- first podium there. Maybe so. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I the the other ones racing against Carmichael, getting a second or a third, or whatever I got those were like way harder, like mm-hmm. as far as like to do, like that just is such a tougher class. Um, so I, you know, those, those were kind of maybe a little more special, or, you know, to right. me, but, um, but yeah, it's always good when you win. I only had a couple handful of supercross wins. So, um, and I broke my jaw that year, I think. Um, and that's why I missed some rounds, I think in 95, um, a case of, a case of triple and broke my jaw, I think it was in Houston oh, in practice. Also, uh, 95, good bike. 96, though, Suzuki comes out with new bikes. This is the year the uh, with the uh, ups, right side up forks and all that. Not not as good. You're not a fan of the 96, 97 models. No, the 96 one, honestly, it was just terrible. I think I think the suspension possibly was a little better um, than the, the regular forks. But as far as the bike goes in general, like it looked really cool. But you know, it looked very updated from the '95 bike. Right. If you go, if you look at the '95, the '96, the '96, like, whoa, it's a new generation bike. Mm-hmm. It was so slow. It was unbelievable how slow it was. Um, 
but like I said, 93, yeah. 94, 95, um, that bike was just super fast. And our 250 was really fast then, yeah. too. Yep. Uh, but 96, it just, I don't know what happened. They just, they missed the mark. <laughs> and, and it seized all the time. Right. Um, I remember, I, I feel like it was 96 outdoors. I did so-so outdoors, but 97 outdoors, they would change the ring in between every moto. Mm-hmm. It would seize. I remember 97, I passed Carmichael and somebody else and pulled away in the first moto. And the thing just started seizing, and I just started just dropping back. And then it's like, everybody was like, oh, he's tired, he's this and that. I'm like, dude, the, they changed the ring between every moto. The, the media, man. It's just the media. They don't get it. You guys, you got yeah. So I, <laughs> in the 97, I was just... I was just over it, honestly. Yeah, I would, you know, I won the championship in Supercross because it would get good starts, um, but it had no top end, and uh, so I won that that Supercross championship. But outdoors, the bike in '97 was so bad. It was Pashon was on it, Lust was on it, I was on it. Can't remember anybody else, and it, we all sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and then by the end of the year, you're like, you don't even want to go ride during the week because your bike is just so bad. You're just you're over it. <laughs> and Roger's not talking to you. Roger's not even acknowledging you because Jeremy, he's got Jeremy to worry about in '97. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I remember Roger came up to me and at the end of '01, and he's like, "It was at Bud's Creek." I can remember it to this day. Um, he came up to me at the end of '01, and he goes, "I would, I'd really like to to have you back on my team. Our bike is a lot better." And uh, Oh, bike is a lot better now. Yeah. And uh, it was his way of saying, hey, sorry. Right. I think. Oh. <laughs> um, and I remember walking away from it going, there's no way I'm going back to that bike and that team. Did he offer, <laughs> did, did he offer you 24K? <laughs> no, I was making more by then. Um, I think I was making like 150 then. Yeah, but... we'll, we'll sign you up, 24K. We'll bring it all. We'll rewind it back. Yeah. <laughs> I think in 01, I was making 150. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was... Uh, I, I don't think you could have like I had said I the end the end was so bad I couldn't there was no way I was going back it didn't matter what yeah I never even I never called I never did nothing well weren't you trying to <laughs> stay in the class or was that was that you and not Suzuki you were trying to petition the AMA to stay in the class so that was in so at the end of '96 I had pointed out because um, I raced some 250 races and you got these advancement points on racing the big class. So it was weird how they did the point system back then. And they had let Jeremy Buell, um, they had changed the rule a few times, kind of like they mm-hmm. still kind of do. Yeah. And uh, I actually wrote a letter. I went back and actually had to do like research and wrote a letter to the AMA to petition getting back in because Duke Finch didn't want to let me back in, in 97. And uh, But as soon as I got the okay to race in 97, uh, Roger signed me back. So. Oh, okay. So it was then. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, so I did get back in, luckily, because then I got the championship that year. But I think I pointed out in the heat race at the first round. Oh yeah, so you like did, I was only yeah, I was only shy by like a you know a few yeah, points. So, right, right. all right, Leah, re-race the Bulls, Daytona '95. Anything else, Weech, for the great Tim Ferry? Honestly, the Daytona stuff was was not the exciting part. It was all these other years and all these other things that were amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was cool. I was cool to see back, you know, see some of the guys that I even see now to this day, seeing Treadwell, like see the guys in there. Barry, that, Barry. Yeah, like I mean, dude, Barry was so good back then. I don't think people really oh here we under, go. 
Well, we, I mean, no, we yes. just going to be very excited. Yes. Yeah, we, he, he, he really, was. he really was like, he mm-hmm. would be, he would be on a factory bike nowadays. He'd be a factory he rider. Uh, he, so, he, he got screwed. We, he got screwed by the sport. Yeah. Well, yeah. just a, yeah, yeah. Well, Suzuki and Suzuki was pretty much the only factory team. I think. I guess Yamaha brought Windham in, but yeah, yeah. For the most part, if you if, when you're going into the pros. If you could get a, a 125 Suzuki ride, that was the premier ride. Um, they had the best program back in like say 93, 94, 95. Yeah, they, well, like we um, we said before we brought you on, we was making the joke about like there's about 20 guys that just cycled through Suzuki 125 program. They would just correct, you know, yeah, just you name them. They're, 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 there's so many of them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it was uh, that was cool. Man, it was cool to go back and watch the race and. Oh, good. The announcer uh, says Steve Evans says that uh, the reason the series is divided the east and west is so they're high school students and they got to get back to class and it helps mom and dad keep down on the bills and it's just another example of like yeah we don't even think about that as a reason for east west anymore it's just changed <laughs> so dramatically <laughs> got to get back to high school on but, Monday morning but that was le- but that was but that was a legit reason for this back in the day when it started sure. all of all of it yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, because you know? yeah, because in '92 and '93, I went to regular school, so I graduated in '93, and they used to have yeah. Friday practice at Supercrosses, and I wouldn't fly in until Friday after school, so I got missed practice day and then race on Saturday. <laughs> Just yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy when you really think about it. Yeah, and you're living it firsthand with with Evan. You're seeing how much the system has changed. It's just not even comparable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I at some point, you know, say three years ago, I had to pull them out of regular school if we were going to compete, really. So, yeah, um, yep, it's just required. Yeah, but yeah, it was, it was just just different times. What I did notice about um, listening to the commentators as well um, is they they weren't very knowledgeable. Like they didn't go around and like really collect a lot of information. You could tell like they just didn't they just didn't know a lot. Well, th- this this round was a one-off for the sports cavalcade. That was Ralph Shaheen and Steve Evans. It was Bailey and Ekman for the other, you know, 26 races this year. But Daytona yeah, yeah. was its own thing. So I think, like we talked about, Weege and I talked about, like, they, they, they just dropped into one round, you know, for this Oh, one, okay. So, yeah, because yeah. I was listening to them talk, and I'm like, I'm like, man, it's almost like as if they – they don't even know these guys or know what's going on, but obviously there's, it's harder to get information right back then. So, mm-hmm. um, Bailey, I've always thought Bailey was really good. Um, you know, he had some harsh words for me at times, but I, I still think he was right. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the time you're like, uh, whatever Bailey, but, um, <laughs> you're like, you're like a 18, 19, 21 year old kid. And you're like, screw you. Right. But, um, I thought Bailey was really good. I he, he his tone of his voice, like he was just spot on about everything. Right. Yeah, he was awesome. These poor guys, they probably had these guys do twenty four different races during just about a bike week. They're like, Yeah, I gotta do supercross this day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's and it's funny, I I didn't realize that, that Ralph went that far back. Oh Ralph right? We when does Ralph first start doing moto? Like I swear there's a Daytona even like maybe even eighty nine or something. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. He must have been like eighteen years old or something. <laughs> yeah, I I thought I liked Ralph too. I thought Ralph always did a good job. I, I but I, when I seen him like on an old video one time, I'm like, holy crap, he was around then. Like, oh yeah, I didn't I didn't I didn't realize that. Yep. 
Um, before we let you go, did you have any memory of Weege flagging at English Town? Oh, God. I don't, but I remember when I got the, those Suzuki's in 95, or I used it in a 94. And uh, and I drove up, and I was staying at Mike's house, which I saw Mike last weekend. Oh, oh yeah, you were there. Um, and he, like, did the suspension on the bike for me, and I raced up there, and I freaking won. And I remember that thinking – this bike is so awesome, but I had, I was a factory Suzuki rider and I was, I had RRP doing my bike. Yeah. And, that's uh, just bizarre. Just bizarre. It's really weird. And then, but I just remember doing those whips on that freaking jump. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Oh, oh I remember that day. You were amazing. But then you came back at the end of 95. It wasn't as good, Timmy. It wasn't as good. <laughs> 94 came back though, the... you were a beast. Yeah. 90, yeah. 94. That was cool. I, maybe I was just excited. I was, I'm a factory rider now. Like, <laughs> Uh, they do the the Steve Evans and Ralph do pump up in the they, they, in this Daytona '95. They pump up your victory celebration and how you're going to come up to the finish line and you're going to whip it and let's see what he does and you know wins Daytona blah 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 and you just roll across with your hands. Up. <laughs> I, ro- I rolled across and like did like like I was like strongman contest or something. It's like what I did what I did notice when I watched it. I was in my my heat race interview like I'm like gosh you sound like the biggest punk. Cause I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what those guys were doing out there. Like, like talking about like how slow yeah. they were going. Yeah. And uh, I'm thinking a little part of me went, Oh, that's where Evan gets it from sometimes. Huh? Yeah. Cause sometimes I'm like, Evan, why did you say that? Like, but I remember thinking, gosh, somebody needed to calm me down a little bit. You, I, I, when you were, yeah. The first time I saw your heat race interview, I'm like, look at Evan right there. Like, that's just the way you look, the way it's, you, it's it's the, it, yeah. it's the, it looks like me, and he just, like, talks like, you know, like a 19-year-old, like, just cocky kid. Like, <laughs> Well, MXA, MXA said you were making 80K, so that's why you were cocky, probably. 80K. Oh, yeah, and I was getting I was getting uh, 200 grand from UFO. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> probably oh. getting, like, hey, I, got, I think I got my, for my goggle deals, like, uh, I think it was, like, $1,500. <laughs> 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 hey, Back then, too, uh, Bevo would give you um, – you got paid at the end of the year uh, when I was a privateer before I was a factory guy. Uh-huh. You got paid like in 92, 93 by points, and it was like $5 a point or something like that. Oh, okay. And that's how you, and that's how you got paid at the end of the year. Wow. Never heard of this. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they paid you by points, or at least they paid me. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember be, always being like, well, when are you going to build me – like build me like – goggles like you build goggles for everybody else uh-huh. so it was a big it was a big deal to get bevo or whoever it was the other guys um to build the goggles for you so like until you're like you know you're on the podium or winning yeah you really didn't you didn't get that so like i probably and even in 95 i might not have even got that Jeez. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, now that now they now they build goggles for every fifty rider in the freaking Loretta's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 quite different. Yeah, absolutely. Mom, I don't like these go- these goggles. <laughs> uh, good times. Uh, we we finally got them for Elite Reraceables. We finally got Timmy Ferry. I, I don't know how you didn't make this the very first episode, the very first episode we ever did. I don't know how, how many how many, how many have you done? Uh, quite a bit. Yeah, a couple of years now, a year and a half. Yeah. 
Oh geez, Steve. Well, I didn't say it. I don't know. We we, we just, He's not going to go and look. We had to, we had to pick. Yeah, this is the debut episode, Red Dog. Actually, yeah, this is the debut. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm definitely not going to go back and listen to him. No, no, I would I would not think you would. But I uh, have been getting I have been getting more into the pulp show though. So I will say that. Oh wow. Oh, thank you. Well, I think Uh-oh. because I can lay in my bed and I can watch it now, it makes it easier. Ah, okay. All right. Sounds because good. it gets kind of late here in Florida when you're doing it. Right. Right. So. Um, so I'd be kind of getting a little more into yeah, that. There we go. You hear that, Weege? Getting into it. <sighs> all right. Yeah, I, all I got is a sigh. I just, <laughs> darn it. Darn it, Timmy. Uh, resist, resist all you can, please. What a show. What a way to end it. Uh, Red Dog, yeah. thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Lee at Re-Raceables, yeah. Daytona 95. Yeah, no thanks. worries. Now, now I got to go outside and um, do some manual labor. Perfect. Thanks, buddy. Oh, we wish you could stay in line longer. <laughs> Yeah, I do, actually. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Time for the categories, Weege, for the Lee Re-Raceables. Again, thank you to Guts, Maxis, Scott, Pro Taper, uh, all on board with us as well um, on this podcast. And um, all right. Let's get into the categories. Daytona 95. We can go either class for this one, but who really won the race, Weege? Who really won the race? Uh, I mean, I really want to say Tim Ferry, bro. Yeah, there's only that. There's o- there's only one answer. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Tim Ferry really won the race. What a ride! What a ride! Um, yeah, it's it's the comeback is is ridiculous. He's just so far back. Um, so yeah, uh, one of Timmy's best rides. Like, look, this is not me taking shots t- at, at Timmy, Steve, but you're gonna say that Timmy to me, I think more of like just solid dude. But here, it was just pure speed. Well, you think about the wins that Pashawn, Wyndham, and Renard have. Renard outdoors, anyways. Yeah. And, and then Timmy and you be- just go by those guys. Timmy just goes by them, just like nothing. Just goes by them. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Tim Ferry really won the race. Uh, who's that guy award? I looking at the results. I mean, to me, there is only one choice uh, for who's that guy award. Uh, Weege, I'll let you go first, but I'm thinking you have the same guy as I do. Uh, Chris Brown. No, no. What you you're 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 familiar with Chris Brown and not that Chris Brown, not run it Rihanna Chris Brown, but this Chris Brown. I was more looking one twenty five, but let me look. Chris uh, Brown makes dude in the LCQ. Chris Brown. Now I guess we have to grade everything on a curve because they took thirty guys, not twenty two. Uh, so a few extra guys make it in, but Chris Brown just making moves on established guys and making the main out of nearby Kissimmee, Florida. I've never heard of him, but. uh Good on you, Chris Brown. Run it. Hold on. Oh, okay. Yeah. In the 25 May, 16th, Chris Brown. Okay. Yeah. Good one. I'm, I was looking at 17th, Andre Penne. I guess I skipped over Chris Brown. I don't know who Chris Brown is. That's good, too. Shout out to who's that guy, Andre Penne from Montgomery, Alabama. 17. You don't really think of someone named Andre Penne coming out of Alabama. Is this a, is this a Louisiana <laughs> it's Pichon? Just, it's just, yeah, does, does he have a, an address? Uh, no, I'm yeah. looking at his, uh, his vault results. And 95, 96, 97, he was around. Yeah, he made some mains, got some points in nationals. So, yeah, shout out to Andre Penne. Chris Brown about has the same vault as, uh, as Andre Penne does, but he, Chris Brown only supercross mains. 
Yeah. But more than more than one. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But well, this is like about as good. I, I just had never heard of Chris Brown, and apparently he made some mains. So good on him. I had no idea. Yep. Uh, all right. Um, Lit Kid Award, as we talked about with Red Dog and UFO Gear, he's out of this running uh, for 95 uh, re-raceables. Um, Lit Kid Award. <sighs> Go ahead, Weege. Uh I'm on record as saying, uh, the AXO 1995 Damon Huffman on a Suzuki look is one yeah. of the best ever of any time, any year, any rider, any gear. So he's in the 250 main event, and uh, no one is challenging him for the kit. Okay, fair enough. You're right. It does look good. It's can, AXO, bro. Can I get an honorable mention for Renard's Fox stuff? The Earth Tone colors? Yeah, I'll give you that. Okay. Uh, 94, 95 Fox with the either rust red or the Earth Tone, like Hunter Green. Right. It is pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what about where we stand with Albie's BFE gear? Is that make the shit kit award? <laughs> well, Timmy's wearing UFO, Steve. I can't in good conscience give Timmy the shit kit award. <laughs> okay. okay. But you certainly I think can. Be first year in America, yeah. I, I think that might be it. You can give it to Red Dog and that UFO stuff. Uh, you can. I actually have to say for UFO gear, it doesn't look that bad for right. UFO. Yeah. He's got the chest I think pro they on. Might have just copied some other brands a little better this year and just been like, let's yeah. just not be weird and just copy, just make it look more like a Fox Axo yeah. thing, please. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, to uh, Pishon, JT Gear, the only rider that ever flaunted <laughs> Mitch Payton's gear, gear rules for some random reason. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's I guess true. I guess Ricky yep. did. Ricky wore Fox at one year's last year there. Um, but yeah. But that was a well known, he's going to pay the fine every week. Yeah thing i don't know what the parameters were for Prashant. Uh, yeah. just wear jt yeah i have no idea uh all right uh where's jt well weed you asked him uh yes he said in 95 he would have been racing 125b somewhere and then i said would you have been at daytona and he said yep probably working with the ama yeah so, there we go running sheets hashtag never change yep running sheets uh cindy lap scoring all of that right there um 95 and jt would be pro and do you think jt and timmy were bros already at this point or is he too much of a kid no they were not bros no no they didn't know each other yet so oh you you know this intimately when they became friends yes yes it was around 98 (laughs) okay yep (laughs) okay uh i don't know why that's funny but okay we'll move on just that you timmy and jt know each other so well that you actually they first became friends. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I met JT in '99 when I went uh, when I was around Red Dog. Okay. And there has not been a 48 hours without contact between <laughs> you and JT from '99 <laughs> through now. Contact or arguing, same thing, right? Either one. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, Jacob Marsak Award for the rider who did the best uh, uh, that you'll never ever talk, think about, you'll never ever talk about. Uh, at, at Daytona 1995. Uh, does someone come to mind for you, Weech? I don't, there isn't a whole lot here, but uh, what about you? Yeah, the only ones I come up with in the 250s, there are guys that had better 250 results than I ever thought. I think, does Craig Decker get eighth, I think? Decker gets eighth, and he's a 125 guy at this point. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I don't think I ever knew Craig Decker had eighth in a 250 Supercross. Um, I mean, you always got to be careful. Daytona is a little different, and sometimes you do get results that are a little off the mark of other races, but I, I just, I'm not shocked completely because Yezik, or sorry, Yezik, Yezik's ride was also really good, but I know he had podiums. Decker, uh, yeah, I don't think I knew that he ever got top 10 in 250, so good on you, Craig Decker. Yeah, I would I would go Yezik, even though I do know that he's gotten on the box just from knowledge of that, but he just, yeah, he was in the mix in this race, so 
Yeah. Shout out to Davey Ezek for being in the mix with these factory guys. I mean, Ferry, Pichon, Wyndham, Renard, right? And he's in there. Like, look at the careers that yeah. those four guys had in, mo- in professional Supercross and motorcycles. That's right. Right. That's right. And, and he's right there. So shout out to Davey Ezek uh, for, for that. I, I, I guess he'd be my Jacob Marsak award winner, although I know he's done better. Uh, David, uh, David Pingree raced 250 Class 2. He uh, made the main event for this one. And Brian Deegan as well. Brian Deegan was. Well, it was hilarious. The back half of the 250 results of this 250 main event are just hilarious. The, the, the group uh, back there. You got Mike Jones, you've got Ping. You got Deegan, you've got Rhino. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the, the characters that were in this main event. That's a good point. The, yeah. the people who would go on to be so well known. Yeah, throw in um, Jones. You know, just, I forgot. Yeah, throw in Mike Jones. Yeah, and right. Jones yes. also. Jones, yeah, Jones, Deegan, Ping, and Rhino. Twenty six, twenty eight, twenty nine, and thirty. And, and yeah, and, and then like yeah. there's Josh Steele, who I remember the name. Yeah, and that's about it. Yeah. But then like these other guys ended up all being you know larger than life, like really, really well known. Yeah. Uh, personalities. Well, there's 800 stories between Rhino, Ping, Deegan, and Jones. Maybe 8,000, actually. Stories. Yeah. Right. And then there's Josh Steele right in the middle of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, a, that's a good one, too. Ping, uh, Ping's got a funny story about this race. I forget what. He broke his finger, wasn't going to race. Peyton made fun of him, so he decided to race with one hand guard. Something along those lines of this mm-hmm. race. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. a pretty good one. He's told it before. All right, another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables. Uh, that's the categories, and uh, and that's a wrap on the on the podcast as well. 95 Daytona with the great Tim Ferry. Again, thank you to Scott, Max's Guts, Pro Taper, uh, all on board with us, as well as the folks at Liat, always uh, on board with us as well. Use the contact form on pulpamex.com if you want a discount from Liat. Uh, Weege, thanks, bro. Good times. Yep, we'll do another. <laughs>